Wine Interrupted with Heather Noel and Tammy. Hi, everyone. We're back. Hey. How's everybody doing? Cockroaches of the soul. (laughs) (laughs) The little podcast that could. Oh, well, how are you doing? Welcome back to Wine Interrupted, everyone. Who who are you? I'm Tammy. I'm Heather. And uh, we're back. Here we are together again. Together. Um, okay. We have kind of an interesting, well, I mean, they're all interesting, let's be real. But we have like an right. especially meaty topic today, I would think. What do you think? I think it's meaty. I think it's fascinating. I think... This is a topic that has affected pretty much anybody, if not personally, you've known of somebody that has been impacted by it. Absolutely. <laughs> Chance, yes. And maybe you're not aware, as we'll find sure. out. That's one of the things, is when you're part of it, you don't even know. Right? Yeah, I find that interesting. So what's our topic, Tam? We are talking about cults. Yeah. Not, not like the sports team. But, like, <laughs> how did I even know that? Um, but uh, the actual, uh, you know, what, it's not a religion. It's a mind control sect. How would you describe, how would you describe a cult? I would say that a lot of cults are mind control sects. I would like to master the art of mind control sex. <laughs> True. It's funny because like, yeah, I mean, I did a lot of research on this. Thanks for the links you set, by the way. Um, Did a lot of research on this last night. And I mean, I knew a little bit about it. And, you know, growing up, like I always hear like Jehovah's Witnesses are cults and Mormons are cults. And the definition was if one if one leader, usually a man, was at the head of of some kind of religion telling people what to do and who they can or cannot see or do or give them all these extraneous rules. That was the definition of a cult or isolate you from the rest of the herd. Um, that was the definition of a cold cult growing up. Although those people would definitely not agree with me in that statement that they were in a cult, um, you know, so who knows? Um, but yeah, so what, let's see cults, why are, what do you think cults are so attractive to people? Why do you think, why do you think they'd like to join from like a psychological therapist so, point of view? I think, I mean, everybody's looking for something. We are social creatures and we have a strong desire to belong. And I think cults are a very attractive um, way of somebody to belong to something. Yeah. I feel it, identity of, of part of the bigger whole community, all of those things that we're all on a basic human survival, you know, level. We all are searching for that, right? Like at any, at any cost. Um, go ahead. And also too, I think, um, cults play on the most vulnerable. Oh yeah. Have experienced trauma in the past, Mm -hmm. have the best home lives or upbringings, um, Yeah, and I find this very interesting because it makes one of their techniques all the more illuminated, but the fact that they 
prey on people who have low self-esteem. And they do that by, um, and this is like, we've taught, we've touched on this before with narcissism, but this is where the love bombing comes in because I mean, I definitely can say that like I had zero self-esteem as a child and like, you know, I, it's taken a lot for me to, to work up to where I'm at now, but I know, I know. And it's like, that's why I fall prey or I've have fallen prey. I hope that's wine. Oh, I love, I love that. 11 o'clock and had three back Chuck Merlot. I love it. Cheers. You're the best. Oh, yeah, to our listeners, this is a morning podcast, which is unusual for us. And I just looked over and Tammy is swirling her glass. And I just was like, my heart warmed. I'm going to be more. It's your day off, girl. You deserve it. And I know she works her ass off. She works uh, four 12-hour days in a row. So by all means, uh, drink up. Cheers to you, Mrs. Robinson. Um, No, but I was reading about the low self-esteem correlation with love bombing. So I don't know about you, but like, because that wasn't part of my um, growing up experience, usually I'm confused by love bombing, but sometimes, you know, when I'm at... I, in the past, at a vulnerable moment, I will fall victim to it because it is it is that basic need that you're like, oh my gosh, somebody is, sh- is sh- showering me with love and affection. And it's those are foreign concepts. So it's like, it feels great. It does. Yeah. It does. It's like someone cares. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they see all sorts of good things in me. Right. <laughs> They're complimenting my shoes. They're, they're adore you know, they're, they're, they're giving you compliments. They're, they're, they, it, it almost feels like they see you like the real you right. and you're fine. Right. Like somebody finally sees you, you know what I mean? seeing something in you that nobody else does that you know is there. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, sedu- that's pretty damn seductive if you come at it from a perspective of low self-esteem or vulnerability, um, which is, uh, which is very interesting when you found out that. I found out that 70% of all cult members are women. <laughs> there's some, yeah, yes. And there's, there's a lot of theories. There's a lot of theory, theories about that. For me, it rang true with the projects that I'm involved in, but it's the fact that, um, and this is very controversial that women are um, taught to seek out attention of men and wait to be rescued. And also the fact that we're, we're comfortable being, we're co- not, not that we're comfortable, but we're used to being under an authority figure. And then it has to do with, I mean, and this is some truth is that women have been oppressed since the beginning of time. So this is not a foreign feeling for us, like to be, you know, second class citizens or under someone's, you know, under someone's reign. Um, so to speak. Well, Well, I don't know about that. I just think if you look back, women are the most oppressive, <laughs> oppressed. That is very. <laughs> I mean, we're, we've we're, we've been second class citizens since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve. Like, I mean, what Eve must be sinful because she gave Adam the apple. Like, we're we're under that whole dogma of being, you know, second to man, Adam's rib. Like, 
So it's just, you know, to me, it's like, I, I understand why women are seeking out some kind of validation, community, um, safety. Hello, safety. Like it's safety, found, safety in numbers. You have a group that's on your side who has your back. Like, why is that not um, attractive? I mean, look at Sister Wives. <laughs> right? I think I watched two seasons of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um. it's like, like with Sister Wives, I mean, is what they're portraying in the camera, the camera reality? There's, let's see, a famous doctor, David Bromley of Virginia Commonwealth University, points out that women, here's, here's one reason. Women simply attend more social gatherings. Therefore, they're more like that makes statistically more likely to join a cult because they start as these social gatherings that they people invite you to come meet my friends, come hear what I'm into. I did, remember I dated someone who used to be your neighbor who was in um, uh-huh. he was in something for a little while. Yeah. It was one of those like self-improvement ones. Like it wasn't like a religious one. It was more a um, like, let's like change your mindset and, you know, improve your life. And it was one of those things. It's funny because that's when he like told me he loved me after spending a week with them. He had to spend a solid week. He had to take off work and spend a solid week with them somewhere in the mountains, I think. Was there a sweat lodge involved? maybe god i hope so no um so anyway i found i found that was interesting most cult see this is where it's interesting so self i think self-improvement cults most it's most cult members this is also a statistic uh have rejected religion so that's why it's like formal formal practices of religion they've rejected so in a sense this cult becomes their new religion which is something they probably don't see, but it operates on the same principles, but they usually they, they reject mainstream religion and then cults maintain their power by promoting a us versus them mentality, which is like to give people a feeling of safety. Like, you know, as in like the rest of the world is blind, but only I can see the truth and that whole right. thing. And they're not supposed to question them. Have you ever been uh, close to being in a cult? And I don't know if you would um, qualify the Masons as a cult. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. So I was a Job's daughter for two years. Oh, that's right. That's which right. Which is a, a break off for the Masons. Yeah. And um, it, it seemed very cultish. We wore white robes. Okay, that's odd. During all of our meetings, the meetings were always closed. Um, everything was very secretive. We could not talk about what we did during our meetings or any sort of our ceremonies. Wow. And all of our ceremonies um, were open. They weren't open to the public. You either had to be a parent or a member of, um, a, or a mason. In some gotcha. Parent or a mason. And then, do you remember what they discussed? Or are you not supposed to talk about it? Well, I'm going to talk about it now. But um, just basically, like, we did a lot of outreach stuff. We did a lot of really weird-ass ceremonies where we sang and did, like, an opening. And we each had a title. What was yours? And so I was um, first messenger. 
to where I recited some scripture during our meetings. And then I made it up to being um, part of the court. So hmm. there was a royalty court. Oh, that's weird. With each, with each um, gosh, and I'm trying to think, what was it called? Bethel. So like the group that I was part of, I think we had like a full, like all of our positions were filled. Everybody had their own position. And then the royalty court um, consisted of the guide, the junior princess, the senior princess, and the honored queen. <laughs> okay. So after every term, like once once you were a guide, so I was part of royalty, and instead of getting like a cotton white robe, I got a really shiny silky one. Ooh. Membership has its privileges. Which was awesome. At that point, my mom <clears throat> pulled me out because... There were a lot of male, older men that would come to our meetings. Oh, that's... And, and what? Kiss on us. Give us hugs and kisses. Ew, that's gross. Like, fuck no. Got me out of it. You told her about it or she asked? Oh, she was at the meeting. Oh, she was there too. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm and glad it, she it was really, there. Like, my, my interest kind of like faltered too. I don't know that I was too into being a Joe's daughter. And, and this is just my experience, too, with my Bethel. But um, I was on the way up to being honored queen. So um, after guide, there was junior princess to where you got a, a really pretty purple robe or a cape to put over your really, really pretty. Oh, God. Oh, watch out when capes are and involved. Mm -hmm. Did, no, you know what? I'm not sure. I think there was a tiara involved. Senior princess, same thing. And then honored queen, you were head of... Um, you basically ran the bubble. So what was the point of it? Did you guys work with charities? Did you, was it? We did. Okay. We did. We did a lot of outreach stuff. Um, we did a lot of fun stuff together, like field trips, sleepovers, um, Halloween parties. I mean, you name it. Okay. And it was like a social group. How old were you? And I was um, 13 and 14. Gotcha. And so was your, was somebody a Mason? Because my dad's family was so, I mean, all of them had been Masons. My dad, my grandfather was a Mason, I think for 60 years. Mine too. Days. Mine too. Really? I did not know that. Yeah. In fact, at his funeral, they came and did like some crazy ceremony that was like, I, it freaked me the fuck out. Um, where they like. They were, they were all in uniform and they did their like little hand shit. And I'm like, what's, what's happening? He was in the Masons. Yeah. It's, and it's all very, very secretive. It's creepy. Um, there is a book and I can't remember the name of the author offhand called, um, Behold the White Horse. Oh, okay. And he went deep into, um, the Masons. And he eventually ended up getting um, murdered by two police officers. Oh. That's creepy. But there's like a lot of conspiracy theories surrounding the Masons. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just being a secret society to begin with. And they're not biblical. Right. Like they kind of like self-appointed them, you know, self-appointed members. But, um... That's that's really interesting and, and had never knew that. We have that in common, Dam. Really? I mean, that's that's so cool. Okay. So, Behold the Pale Horse by Milton William Cooper. 
think that's the name, but that's the book. But yeah, really interesting read, and he goes back, or goes really deep in, um, into the Mason. So basically, like, did you, I don't know if you, I would recommend to you if you haven't seen already, did you see the Nexium documentary? There's a couple of them. I did, and I'm actually, I'm listening to a podcast by two of the ex, like, Nexium, two ex-Nexium members that helped bring him down. Two Axiom Nexium. I have tears. I love it. I'm not making any sense. Lex, two Lexus Nexus members. Lexus Nexus. Ooh, Lexus. Lexus. MLM has also been like referred to as a cult. Which one? Plexus. Oh, I don't know. I don't know Plexus. Um, so there's like this whole sect of, um, well, multi-level marketing. There's a whole group of anti-MLMers. There's a huge anti-MLM community. What's L? Oh, land managed beer. Multi-level or... marketing, like Avon, Tupperware. Oh, I was thinking land managed. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that stuff always seemed like a cult to me. And I'll be honest, it freaked me out a little when John and Ann would do their um, pyramid stuff. Oh, yeah. Yes. All of that. Yeah. And I remember, (laughs) unrelated, but I'll never forget Allison coming over to sell us that thing where she peed in a cup and drank it. (laughs) Yes. That felt like a cult, too. It was, and they actually got shut down. Oh. Yeah, pyramid scheme? Uh-huh. Okay. And investing, like, a shitload of money in product and business that they basically couldn't sell, and then it basically went under. It felt weird. Yeah. I just was That's like, really weird. girl, why are you drinking your own pee? <laughs> Red flag. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I could be so desperate to sell something in order to drink my own. Yeah, no, not going to do it. Um, so basically, like, why I brought up Nexium is, like, that, I think it's like, what's his name? Lanieri, Craig Lanieri, or whatever the fuck his name is, is was such a master of mind control. And that's what they say the leaders mm-hmm. really study how to control and um, separate their victims and make them feel super special. And that's where that love bombing comes in. And then it's like after the love bombing, there's a like humiliation factor where public humiliation becomes really important as an example for the others to fall in line. And, uh, and once they are established members, they control them through uh, all this humiliation exercises. One of them, like, um, you know, basically like where they put somebody on a pedestal or on a chair and then everybody goes around saying what's wrong with them. And like, you know, oh yeah, doing things. Yeah. And then they have to admit their own uh, problems and faults after, like, their peers are. Um, And then Jim Jones uh, basically, like, oh, yeah. And I I think um, Nexium did this, too. But Jim Jones asked for his members to incriminate themselves by um, sending him all their um, individual fears, mistakes, um, errors, sins um and then he used those later to shame them publicly but nexium cult in order to get the, i think when the women were at the 
when the women had like I don't know if you've gotten further in the and seen what's ha- like Allison Mack, that famous actress, is part of it. Um, were were they branded the women like yes, cattle? They branded them. That is cultish as fuck. And then, well, I think what's worse is that, well, obviously the physical pain, but the fact that they had, um, in order for them to establish a trust between, like, their, like, they were slaves, basically, they were slaves, Mm -hmm. that that they had to, like, they had to give them collateral, I think they called it collateral, where they had to tell them like a secret that nobody else could know because it would ruin their lives. And like they had to like unleash their skeletons in their closet to the head person, the head woman, who then would would um, text them all the time and ask them to do tasks and and control their behavior. Like if you can eat today, if you can't eat, to, like if you can exercise, like every behavior became so regimented and controlled by the leader, by the woman in charge. And then they were like, some of them I know had to go have sex with the leader and whatnot and all that happened too. So they had this weird relate, but it was fascinating. Oh, I'm sorry, Heather. No, no, go ahead. Your turn. But um, I heard like each member from what I read um, thought that they were exclusive. Yeah. And I found out later on, not so much. He was doing it all about them. Yeah. He, he had it over on like, there was a, there was a mother-daughter team that he was, like, completely boning both of them at the same time. Like, and they were both smitten with him. It was weird. It was just such a creepy, weird... And then did you see Wild Wild Country? I did not. Is that another cult documentary? Uh, you gotta see it. It's on Netflix. Look that up. That's fucking creepy. That's the Rashnish. I think it's the Rashnish, um cult yeah and just the amount of wealth and money they have their own compound i think they still do in oregon yeah that that's fascinating and then like you know the whole like spiritual aspect of it where people start speaking in tongues and then it's like a sex cult wild wild country is a sex cult so you know a real one (laughs) not not the not not ivan i know Well, you'll see in the documentary, they really, uh, they shed light on a lot of the practices. Like sometimes they all get together and have a experience like in a room where they're speaking in tongues and going out of their minds together. And some of them have sex and everybody's naked. So it's kind of crazy. <clears throat> it's like one of those, like, um, f- I don't know if there's a word, uh, French word, a phrase called foile du, which means like shared delusion shared it's like it's almost like the group has an ex- oh, kind of like a group think group yeah it's a group it's a energy yeah it's it's very it was very fascinating but the the head leader at the like everybody revered him and he like scientology like there's a lot of wealthy people that have fallen victim to his practices and have donated and kept him afloat right. oh yeah 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 watch this documentary yeah is is like people getting sucked into cults they're not a lot of them aren't stupid far from it no no really intelligent educated people yeah they're looking for a sense to belong they're looking for the community to you know to help them and whatever 
whatever they're getting from that is definitely on an emotional and mental and material level. It's very, it's very interesting. But um, brainwashing. So the other aspect is that cult leaders repeat various lies and distortions of the truth until like basically their their members can't distinguish what is real and what is not you know between reality and cult life then their then their life within the cult becomes their reality and then on this as well um is paranoia the false sense of you know the the comfort found in the group and so they rely on paranoia, like look out for your your fellow cult member, like let it report back if they're doing anything out of turn. Like they try to like have each other tell on each other. And um, and, you know, they if you if if so and so speaks to their family, let us know. And then that's a huge, you know, that's a huge no, no, um, because their family is going to try to get extra extricate them from the cult. So, of course, they're like, keep them away. They oh yeah and then Jim Jones I thought this was freaky he would use um, loudspeakers so uh, Jim Jones would um, put loudspeakers throughout wherever the camp that they were staying in and he would get on that loudspeaker and talk to them at all hours of the day and night which is also then you're keeping them from sleeping which is also you're more susceptible to fall victim to mind control when you're lack of sleep and so they do all these tactics um, and then yeah of course cult members don't have any idea they're in a cult and then the lasting effects i don't know as a uh, social worker therapist have you seen or dealt with anyone that has been in a cult post cult i have not personally worked with anybody post post cult uh-huh and i would be interested in learning more about that mm I can imagine just having to reverse the mind control in the distorted beliefs. Yeah, I mean, they—they they, what do that they call is. it? Um, deprogramming is what they call it to mm-hmm. to unravel the uh, mind control. And I guess and then the trauma from the cult too, processing that the trauma. I'm sure that there's a feeling of um, shame. Like, how did I get stuck into this? How did I get sucked in? Absolutely. Um, and then also they, like, uh, Dr. John Clark of Harvard is a professor of psychiatry that studies this and, and treats former cult members and their families. He says that basically the symptoms of epilepsy are similar to those <laughs> who have gone through cult conversions. Um, so, inc- oh. yeah, increased irritability, loss of libido, altered sexual interest, ritualism, compulsive attention to detail, mystical states, humorlessness, aw, and sobriety. Oh my God, the very idea. Sobriety and heightened paranoia. So that's like, that's, that's the after effects of dealing with somebody in those, in those states. That's got to be crazy. And then like not being able to trust yourself, not being able to know who's your friend and who's not your friend and there's got to be a huge mistrust and mistrust in everything and i could totally see that yeah that's scary i know someone that was in a raised in a cult 
community now, uh, or when she was younger and, and, and she, when she got out, she kind of like went the other way. Um, she, she had to get, oh yeah, she got married at like 19. She was married super young to another cult member. It was like they married their children off <laughs> to, to each other. And, um, and she was raised in a commune. So it's almost like you're marrying, you're marrying your brother. <laughs> it's gross. So, so they were all related in some sort of way. They weren't related, but they were all like living in the same compound together, you know? And, uh, anyway, so, so when she, when she has, she escapes, so to speak now, she's like, you know, she's came out as, you know, bisexual. She's like as alternative lifestyle as can be compared to the strict conservative cult she was raised in. But anyway, um, yeah, I find them fascinating and, um, I'm always on the lookout to avoid, some people would say like, you know, like there's, there's non, there's non-religious cults out there. Like I was, I was listening to one of your podcasts last night that was talking about the cult of Trader Joe's. <laughs> Trader Joe's? No, no, no. One of the one of the podcasts on um I think there's a podcast called Sounds Like a Cult or That Sounds Culty to me. One of the I forget the name of it. They call they call like some of the behaviors of the customers cult-like as well as Trader Joe, you know, like their practices. You can't find this stuff anywhere. You got to look this up. Yeah, okay. you, you would enjoy it. You would enjoy it. Um yeah, I was listening to it last night. <laughs> Two that I listen to. One's called A Little Bit Culty. Oh, gotcha. members. And then, so the other one I listen to is from two ex ladies or ladies that are ex cult members called Trust Me. Oh. So I'm, I'm curious. Tell me more about the Trader Joe cultiness. Well, just the fact that people get very um, reliant upon their products that can't be found in normal stores. The fact that, you know, it's. It was run by one man, <laughs> you know, who's, who's, this is his idea to, you know, to, to revolutionize and change the way things are done. Um, the fact that like people are very loyal, they get very upset when their products are discontinued or go out of style or go out of sell or get off the shelf. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I, there's part humor found in that particular idea too like they're not strict you know they're not actually saying it's a cult but they're saying there are cult-like you know attributes given to the specialty store you know i mean people can say that if you're about you know being a fan of anyone like either like the goths if we have to all dress a certain way and you know what i mean like secret society like what are they doing in there um i don't know um do you ever feel like you've fallen victim to mind control? Do you, have you ever, um, yeah, have you ever been vulnerable to that? That is a really good question. Um, I think so. I used to work for a chiropractor, hmm. and that at times almost seemed kind of cultish. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you told me about the hugs. Right, well, you know, the hugs not so much, but it's just like the philosophy that chiropractic cures everything. Oh, gotcha. And the doctor I worked for was so anti-traditional um, medicine. Okay. Pharmaceutical medicine. So. Interesting. Yeah, I guess that could be taken that way for sure. 
not necessarily a cult, but felt kind of cultish at times. Tom did go and listen to Scientology, like, do their spiel. He took... Did he, did he get sucked in? Um, no, he he knew that it was bullshit, but he, he was curious about, like, I want to see what actually happens. You know how, like, they stand on Hollywood Boulevard because there's a big... Um, there's a big church there. There's and are they still doing that? Because I remember they used to have like um, personnel testing centers. Yeah. All over. Yeah, they they still do that. They they still stand on Hollywood Boulevard and offer a personality test. So that's the Dianetics bullshit model, and um, mm-hmm. so he went and got a personality test, and then he said because they were in this room where. Um, it was like tons of cubicles and there was he said there was tons of people there you know like interested interested in Scientology so everybody was sitting at their cubicles and he said like the person who was giving him his personality test or whatnot or went to go get the e-meter which is the machine which is basically a lie detector machine he could overhear conversations in the in the surrounding cubicles and he said he felt so bad because these people that were there were really going through really hard times. Like, you know, saying about like, you know, like somebody died or he lost their job. So it's like, it's almost like taking advantage of and preying upon people that are looking for answers anywhere at that moment. Most vulnerable. Absolutely. And he said he felt very bad. And he said the woman or whoever he was testing with brought back the e-meter and that's when he called bullshit. And he's like, I know what this is. It's a lie detector test. They're not reliable. They're blah, 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 blah. They're open to suggestion. You know, um, this is bullshit. I'm out of here. And like left after that. But he spent like a couple hours, a good couple hours, because he was curious about it. But then when they, you know, tried to bring out the e-meter, he was like, that's it. I'm out of here. But that was his and takeaway. Any kind of response he got when he tapped out that they tried to... Were they aggressive about trying him, trying to get him to, um... Yeah, they engage. tried to, they tried to get him to stay, but he, um, he just was like, nope. Yeah, I'm out of here. But then they, 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 phys- they can't after a certain point. They can't keep you. So. But I don't know, um, the cult of wine interrupted. <laughs> yes. yes. We're kind, we'll be kind leaders. We'll supply you with the... Really bad wine. <laughs> Which will make you open to suggestions for better wine. <laughs> there you go. Well, cool. Do you have anything else to add, Tam? Um, no, I think we covered it. We covered it. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time, everyone. And all right, be good humans. Love you guys. Take care. Bye. Don't join it yet. Cults are bad. Bye. Wine Interrupted with Heather Noel and Tammy. 